Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the That Sounds Fun podcast. This is your host, Annie F. Downs. And you know what sounds fun to me? Today is doing this, hanging out with you guys. I am so, so thankful to get to spend some time in your ears today, whether you're on the treadmill or on the elliptical or walking around your neighborhood, driving to work, taking the train to work. Maybe you're a city dweller or whether you are doing your dishes or laundry or something that I do not enjoy, as you will hear on today's podcast. I'm so glad to be with you. As always, the music in the background is our sweet friend, Ellie Holcomb, and her new album, Red Sea Road, is just um, amazing, and I hope you have already grabbed it. Today on the podcast, we're talking about one of my very favorite things, you know it, it is friendship and my people, how much I love my people. I've been writing for a website called Encourage since it started in 2009, and one of the other contributors is one of my dear friends, Jennifer Dukes-Lee. She is an author of two books, Love Idol and The Happiness Dare, and together we both are contributors to Encourage's new book called Craving Connection. It's a 30-day challenge to connect with God and other people in your community, and it is a beautiful book. We both got to contribute a chapter to it, and I really love um, the book. So we sat down and discussed all sorts of things, as we tend to do. You know how it goes, but including Craving Connections, Jennifer's book, some Enneagram stuff. Just get ready, everybody. Just get ready. A big, long, lovely conversation about friendship, and I am glad you are here for it. So here is my conversation with Jennifer Dukesley. Hello, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us on That Sounds Fun. <laughs> this sounds fun. And I can't tell you how, how I'm just like not a, I just feel like I'm not a very fun person. <laughs> I really? feel like I'm like this hyper-focused, dead serious person. And so to be on That Sounds Fun is, is just really fun for me. Now, okay, let's talk about that. You really don't think you're very fun? I do <laughs> I, think you're fun. I enjoy being around you. So okay. I, I think that's really interesting that you, so why do you not think you're fun? Because I'm super intense. I'm like, I always feel that I need to be the most responsible person in the room. Mm. And I know, for instance, that you ask everybody on your podcast, what's what sounds fun to you? I do. You, I had to think about that for hours. Really? That's so lame. I no, really that's not lame. Fun that makes me sound... You know, I ha- I actually love work as much as I love weekends. Like I'm as excited at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning as most sane people are at 5 o'clock on a Friday. Really? Yeah. Okay, so why can't you call that fun then? <laughs> I can't. But because I'm a doer, I'm, I'm so I, – I love my to-do list. I actually have now put on my to-do list mandatory fun. Do you know Jenny Allen, our friend Jenny Allen, had her 2015 was the year of fun for her. Oh, I love it. And and so we talked on the phone a lot because she was like, okay, what's the next fun thing I should do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I we really, I coached her. I said I was her fun coach. I need so a fun coach. I, I could be your fun coach. But I think part of the problem is you're misdefining fun. I might be. Because you're saying that fun is carefree, silly playing outside. And I think work can be fun. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like I I really enjoy the idea of like when I'm in my work, sometimes I actually don't think it's fun. It doesn't actually make me happy maybe when I'm doing it, but it's Mm -hmm. that idea of that residual happiness that I have when I complete my tasks, (laughs) Mm -hmm. when I can look back at the end of the day and think I got all these things accomplished. And then actually, then it does give me a freedom to have a little bit more fun. So See, there you go. Yeah. More fun than you're giving yourself credit for. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting you had to sit and think about it. I like that. 
That's, yeah. um, that's very interesting. Okay. So yeah, well then you're here on that sounds fun. So we're going to have fun. Yes, we are. That's going to be the goal. I mean, that's always my goal. <laughs> Probably all my life. Do you per chance know your Enneagram number? I don't. And I have looked at that and I've read the descriptions and I, I know which one I am when I look at them, but it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. And when actually when I wrote the happiness dare, mm-hmm. I looked at those pretty extensively and I really should have taken that because I have a personality test on the happiness dare to tell people what truly makes them happy. Interesting. Okay. So yes, because you have two books, right? The Happiness Dare and Love Idol. Mm -hmm. I love them both. I have them both on my shelf. Um, So for Happiness Dare, so when they take that quiz, I guess maybe separate for me happiness and fun because they run really close together for me, but separate those for me. They do. Okay. So for you, I am guessing if you were to take the five minute quiz at thehappinessdare.com, I am guessing you would score highly as an experiencer. Okay. What are the other options? Doer, which of course, that's what I am, right? I have to add, you know, the idea of, you know, going outside and mandatory fun in that way um, to to my to-do list. I am always feeling uh, the need to be the most responsible person in the room. And that's where, Mm -hmm. when my happiness style can get a bit out of whack and out of balance when um, I'm prone to workaholism and Mm -hmm. perfectionism and legalism and all that. And so that's a doer. And then the experiencer, um, they are, they find supreme happiness in, you know, just the whimsical things of this world. They're like the fun aunt who goes outside on Christmas and makes snow angels or something, you know, while the doers are inside um, washing the dishes and, Mm -hmm. and um, feeling like they need to be doing those things. But then, you know, there's a downside for the experiencer, like, you know, maybe they can't ever get their stuff done. Right. I've heard that that might be the case. I'm not, I can't really speak to it except to say yes, because I am all about a snow angel and I am not about dishes. Then of course there's the relators and those are people who find supreme happiness in, um, you know, they've got their 3am friends, this tribe Mm. of people. And Mm. oftentimes relators and experiencers will go hand in hand. Sure. Because experiences are always more fun. Snow angels are always more fun with, with people. people. For sure. And then there are the thinkers. These are the ponderers and the poets and the people who check out your bookshelves when they come to visit you. Oh, that's a great way to identify them. Because you, when you said that, like four people jumped immediately mm-hmm. to my mind. Who goes, my friend Cammie was over yesterday and she probably stood in front of my bookshelves for 10 minutes. Yes. Like their idea of a good time is being locked in a library overnight. Right. right? Yeah. So So I think that'd be fun too, but probably for different reasons. Yes. (laughs) I, yeah, I get it. I would be doing silly things and they want to read all the things. Yes, that's right. And then there are givers as well. These are the people that know that supreme happiness is, um, well, that giving happiness away, that giving of themselves is sort of a double happiness because they're Mm. making others happy even as they make themselves happy. But then there are, I mean, you can be a combination of those because I'm a doer. I'm actually, I actually also score really highly as a relater, but that's because when I'm doing, I'm thinking about the people that I'm doing it for. So when I'm writing a book or preparing a talk, I am, it's like my people are with me even though they're not actually right here. Right. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So happiness is, you know, it, what some might do, you know, they're like a, melan- a melancholy thinker 
can have true happiness, but it is going to look different than an extroverted, fun-loving, cartwheel-turning experiencer. Sure, sure. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. I'm probably an experiencer with a, hint, a tint of um, relator. Mm-hmm. That I would, would make guess. sense to me. Because <laughs> I want to do all the fun things, but I want to bring everyone with me. That's right. And you do. I mean, that's the reason we have the podcast. (laughs) I mean, literally everything I do falls in the category of what sounds fun and who, who wants to come with me. (laughs) So that's why we all love you, Annie. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'll tell you who doesn't love me. The people have to live with me and deal with me, not loving doing dishes and et cetera. But or the people who are waiting for me to respond to work emails. They're not, they're not my biggest fan club but you that's know why you that need is. more doers in your life then we'll do your dishes for I you i know i know i need to now hiring a doer <laughs> at downs books incorporated <laughs> just to come and do the things i don't want to do that sounds terrible but someone will love it because they're a doer okay so when you think about like married couples or best friends do you is it unwise to for two experiencers to be together? Is it better for an experiencer and a doer to be together? Or do you even think about that? No, I do think about that. And actually, in this case, opposites do not always attract. Right. <laughs> right. So I am actually married to um, a doer. And so that becomes actually really fun for us. Like we, we work hard, but we do play hard. Right. Um, we love to, for instance, we came to your city for the first time. Remember That's when we right. came to Nashville? Yes, I sent you all the places you need to eat. Because all of my Iowa friends were telling me to go to places like, you know, the Rusty Spur and the Dusty Boot and <laughs> I don't know the names of these places. But you were like, no, you and Jessica Turner had both like yes. independently messaged me. Do not listen to your Iowa friends. They That's do- right. That's because I was seeing them leave comments and I was like, no, no. <laughs> It was breaking my heart. Right, yeah. So, you know, that Scott and I love to to play hard, but we work hard so that we can play hard. We're very That's much right. that way. So we're doers, but we have a child who is um, very much an experiencer, which I think kind of all children sort of are until they grow up and and um, or some people don't grow up. Sure, I know, I'm um, working on it. <laughs> they develop these other pieces of the personality, but it can be interesting, for instance, in a family vacation. Let's say you've got a thinker and a relator and um, a doer. And so as a doer, I am going to plan that vacation and I'm going to have fun planning that vacation and meeting the happiness sweet spots of everybody in my family. Right. So that means I need to make sure that there's time for... Lydia to sit by the pool and read a book. And I need to make time for Anna to process that, um, that trip and sit close to me at dinner and talk about all the things that she wants to talk about, even though I may be all out of words at that point. So it's, it's really to understand a person's happiness style helps you to um, meet their style. And you know, it's sort of everybody actually loves their family vacation, that sort of thing. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Cause I could imagine that if I was with another experience or this is true for Enneagram too, if I, because I'm a seven, if I was with another seven or with another, another experience or as a best friend or a husband or my number one person, we might be too much for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is a seven? Tell me about a seven. So a seven is very, I mean, it's very similar to what you're saying. It's the enthusiast, the entertainer. You love fun. You love being the center of attention. Most of the time you're ex- most sevens are extroverted and we do not like pain. 
And so we run and hide from pain versus some of the other personality types that are like, yes, I will face confrontation. We're like, I don't want to confront anything. Let's get on a roller coaster. (laughs) So so it's very interesting. The beautiful part about Enneagram, and it sounds like your quiz is this way too. I can't wait to take it. But it sounds like one of the beautiful things is with strength finders, they're telling you your strengths, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it is meant to do. Um, with Enneagram, it is meant to help you see all sides of your personality. Sure. Because it helps me, you know, like the fatal flaw of a seven is gluttony. Like that is our our fatal sin. And it's not just about food. It's that I want all of everything, mm-hmm. you know? So I want to read everything people post on Twitter. I want to read every book that comes out. I want to try everything on a menu. I want to hang out with everyone all the time. So, and I can feel myself when I'm pulling toward that, I want all, I want all. I go, oh, something, something's not right. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. feeling that you're trying to fill something by being gluttonous. What's the real problem here? And I've only learned that about me as I've learned the Enneagram. Because I, before I would have told you I was just extroverted and fun. And now I'm like, no, that's that's actually when I'm trying to fill a gap that I feel like I don't want to face. So. so that's the same for what we call the red flags for experiencers. Mm-hmm. And so experiencers have to guard themselves against um, destination addiction. Yes. You know, yes. like believing that happiness really lies in the next best thing. Yes. And I am a runner. So when I think there's a destination that'll be more fun than where I am, see you later. Mm-hmm. So I've had to really learn like, nope, slow down you're fine. You know, I have to, I mean, if I see myself and literally see myself, it's almost like I'm doing it before I realize it, like playing on Delta.com, looking for flights to somewhere fun. I'm like, okay, why are you going somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) Like you don't have to go anywhere. Why are you going somewhere? You know? And so it's, it really is. That sounds very similar. I will have to look at your quiz. You said it's at happinessdare.com. Yep. The happinessdare.com. The happinessdare.com. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm looking at the Enneagram and I know I I couldn't remember the number, but now I'm looking at it. I'm number three, the achiever. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Right. Which is very similar to the doer. And so for me Mm -hmm. as an achiever slash doer, um, I can get really unsettled when, um, when I'm not completing tasks, like um, the idea of like, I'll put a lush bath bomb in the tub and mm-hmm. I will, my, I'm not even really truly resting. I'm still thinking about things like sure. the mind is always working and it doesn't slow down. And so that is a re- red flag for me as an achiever and a pragmatic type and excelling and all of that kind of thing. So how do you rest then? What is rest for you? Well, and oddly it is adding mandatory fun to my list. Like you really? will sit on this park bench. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you will have a good time. You will get this ice cream and mm-hmm. I have to be way more intentional. And I think too, for me as, um, having a husband that is the same way. And as I had created that t- test, we could see the red, red flags for us and how sure. it was getting in the way of just enjoying life and running from one task to the next. And I've been, I've been taking part in this practice that I call lingering Mm -hmm. and lingering is even when I uh, have completed a task, it's very tempting for me to move on to the next thing on the list instead of lingering in the fact that I had completed something. So there is never any time for celebration in my life because there's always something else that needs to be done. Interesting. Okay. So you have to like intentionally choose celebration. Yeah. Or even, you know, like even after getting off of this call today, I need to linger in it. Like think about how fun it was to hang out with Annie instead of, you know, thinking ahead to the next thing, always thinking ahead to the next thing. And that always has me climbing ladders and trying to reach new 
heights and having to accomplish one more thing. And at the end of the day, that can end up leaving me feeling the opposite of happy. So right. it really is about balance. Man, that is so interesting. I, um, I'd say I, I have some friends and I that we talk a lot about the importance of adding celebration to your life mm-hmm. and why it matters and how it matters. And you've got to find a way to consistently celebrate or you will never hit you. I mean, you'll hit a goal and go, well, yeah, I know I got my list done, but didn't you see tomorrow's coming? Or yeah, we sold this many books, but that's not that many books. Or, you know, we, I ran this far, but I didn't run that far tomorrow. I'll run that far. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what if we just celebrated for a minute? Exactly. Instead of taking it all so very seriously, which is what I'm always going to say, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm always going to say, we're maybe taking this too seriously. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. I, here's what else I love about you. I think you are one of, I, I think it's so funny that you don't think you're fun because the times we've been together, I have thought you really brought joy to the situation. Aww. So, I mean, is that an intentional choice? Do you like ha- choose? I mean, I think you do choose joy, but do you choose to like, I'm going to walk into this room. Do you have to like pump yourself up before you leave a hotel room and get into a big group? I think, yeah, well, for sure. For sure I do. And I think the other thing is over the last two to three, well, really even four years, which is all I've really known you and seen you in person, I have had to be more intentional about this mm. because I got to this point a few years back where I was like, I am sleepwalking through my life. Oh, I am wow. missing this. I am not happy. I was... We know from science that everybody has what's called a happiness set point. Like we have set points for all kinds of stuff, like athletic ability, which I have a really low set point for athletic <laughs> ability. Like I literally scored for the wrong team when I was in junior high on basketball, oh, I love basketball that. right? I, and then we have um, set points for metabolism. Again, I not I have a low set point for metabolism. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a really high set point for happiness. Actually, I oh, wow. it's like I've just been this happy kid, but in somehow in adulthood with, because I was overdoing my doing, right? I, um, it's like my happiness got the flu oh, and wow. it was a crazily, it was about the same time when I really be- got close to the Lord and it, and, um, I was hearing all kinds of sermons like, you know, God doesn't care about your happiness. He only cares about your holiness or, you know, joy is good. Happiness sure. is bad. Right. And, and so then my great comfort became, well, God doesn't care about happiness anyway. So, you know, he wants us to suffer unto Jesus. Right. And, you know, I look at the, like, some of it was maybe some misconceptions that I had been taught along the way about God's happiness, even as a kid. And some of it is in just even the art. You know, you look at pictures of Jesus and there's this one where he's standing at the um, stained glass window and he's got his knuckles on the door, um, you know, and, and he's knocking. And I look at that and I'm like, dude looks like a vacuum salesman door to door at the end of a long day of work (laughs) instead of somebody who's actually happy about the people on the inside. And so for me, um, I began to explore what science has to say about happiness and what God has to say about happiness. And it it changed things for me. And so I feel like I began to um, recover um, some of that happiness along the way and that I've had to be more intentional about it and to truly believe that God cares about my happiness and not just my joy and that the seeking of fun and happiness and adventure is not a flaw, that God didn't give us these things to distract us from Him, but He gave us this to attract us to Him. 
Oh, that's good. Will you, you say know, that again? That God gave us the gifts of this world, the things that we enjoy, not so that we would be distracted from him, yeah. but so that we might be attracted to him. Oh, that's really good. So, you know, whatever that is for us, like, I mean, a great meal with friends, you know, sushi, a greeting card, a sunset, um, a night out on the town, a good movie, you know, like we, we set these little checklists. Well, it has to, you know, it can't have these words. It can't have this kind of activity. It can't, you know, like there's certain things that we think that are going to make it against God's rules. Right, and right. so that nothing becomes fun anymore. Like, well, I'm having too much fun. I can't have fun because people on the other side of the world are, you know, hurting right now. And so right. there's always some reason out there not to truly enjoy. And that instead, we, you know, we are just going to focus on the suffering Jesus. And of course, he suffered for us. But I think we're really missing a key point of God's character when we don't pay attention to the things that made him happy on earth. I mean, Jesus' first miracle was not at a graveside. Right. It was at a party. Right. Right. I love it. And like he says, let the children come to me. What kid in his or her right mind is going to run into the arms of a grumpy Jesus? Yeah. Hard enough to leave a kid at at like a happy daycare provider's house. Right, right. So anyway, I think that's, you know, since I've known you, Annie, I've really been, I think, more intentional about it. But it's not always easy because I can run down that success-oriented, excelling-driven, you know, want you to think I'm okay kind of want to want your approval. Right. I have to fight that all the time. Right. Gosh. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. Um, okay. So how we know each other is through Encourage, one of our favorite little places to write. Yay. I yes. know. And we both wrote for their new book called Craving Connection, which I love. I think it's gorgeous. Have you looked through yours? I have. I love it. Love the stories. Love just the range of voices in it. I feel like there's so many voices there for all of us, no matter where we are with friendship and connection right now. Yeah. So tell kind of tell the readers it's 30 like challenges on how to connect with other people, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so kind of talk about what you think about it and what your feelings were writing for this. Cause okay. I want to tell you mine too. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Okay. So um, for, for those listening, like this comes out of encourage, which is Found, was founded in like 2009 by Dayspring, yeah, and yeah. it was it's the Christian product subsidiary subsidiary of Hallmark Cards. And so, Encourage was created online, and the vision for it was this space online where women could just kind of come as they are, right? Every day, just feet up on the table, you know, welcoming each other into their messy lives, and it became this place where community and connection was being built, and. It was a place of prayer, and it still is, a place of real friendship and loving support. And it's like, oh, we could have a book about this. Like, we could make a book out of this, right? These same kinds of stories, because women right now, I think, are needing connection more than ever. And it's so ironic to me, because we are actually more connected than ever, at least technologically speaking, but feeling more disconnected, like you can be a mile wide with friendships and about a half inch deep with any one person. Right. And so to me, this book is an answer to this deep need of women for relationships because we are malnourished in relationships. Yeah. We've gotten to the point where we're realizing that 
while digital communication can be a real blessing, but we all just long to go deeper. And how do we do that in our, in our daily lives with people? what, What do you think about it? What's yeah, that, I mean, that, you know, I just think it's really interesting. I love 30 day challenges, hundred day challenges, 365 day devotionals. Like I love books that are numbers for me because it also feels like a goal. And it, in fact, I'm doing a 30 day thing right now where I'm like, and with Lent, you know, going for 40 days, I think even if on day 20, I want to quit, I can't quit because I've got to go to 30, (laughs) you know, like I, and you know me and with my looking for lovely story, like it's so much of what you were just talking about, but of finding beauty in the life we already have and finding it in our everyday. But also the reason that God had to turn me towards that is because I was quitting all the time. Yeah, I was quitting things because they felt hard. My sevenness was showing, right? So (laughs) I was quitting all the time. So things like 30 days to like, what does it look like to engage with other people and to find friendships um, and to do that really for 30 days rooted in scripture feels to me like a really valuable use of a month, Mm -hmm. right? Or two months if you want to do one every other day, which sometimes I do, or if if I want to spread it out and if I'm reading something else, I read... Um, the Bible Project. Do you know the Bible Project, Jennifer? Yes, I do. Oh, I love it. So I do Bible Project as well. So I try not to have like eight things running at one time because then <laughs> I'll not do any of them. And so things like a 30-day challenge for real life engagement, like craving connections, that gives me, I'm go, ah, let, let's do one every other day mm-hmm. or let's do three a week and do it for 10 weeks or, you know. So, and gosh, I, I, I bet you get this a lot as well, but I get emails from people often, often, often who are just looking for friends Mm -hmm. and they are just looking, you know, or I'll post something about a friendship or a story from things I've done with my friends and I'll get comments or emails going, but I don't have that. Yeah. And I I don't know how to find that. And I feel like craving connections is how you find that, like finding this book and digging in. I mean, do you see that too? Do you have people responding to you about that as well? Oh, for sure. You know, I, as I travel around the United States speaking, I've realized that is one of the biggest issues that women face is this idea of loneliness. Yeah. Like, you know, they've even come to these things alone um, instead of with, with friends, just looking for something to hold on to. Like I almost didn't come because I knew I would have to come alone and, um, oh, don't you love when people start like that? I almost didn't come, yeah. but oh, I just love it. It always makes me want to like, I don't even want to hear the back half of the sentence. I just want to hug them. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think, I, I think that this book, it gives people a way to enter into something that's really hard because there is so much re- potential rejection and vulnerability tied to relationship like because you know it, this is constantly like vulnerability is so hard we talk about it all the time Being i know it's like blah, such blah, blah, a word isn't it that but people use all yeah, the time it's so hard like when you're vulnerable you're saying to someone this is all of me this mm-hmm. is the parts where you can love me well but this is also the parts where you can hurt me well that's right and most of the women that I'm running into, wherever they happen to be, whatever their life, life circumstances are, they they have been vulnerable. They've done that, but they they that person was able to hurt them where it would hurt the most, and so it feels really risky to do it again. And I feel like this book um, just lays out a few ways that you could just maybe step back into that again and take a few risks yeah. and put your heart out there again. So it's split into three pretty easy groups, connecting with God more deeply, connecting with friends more purposefully, and connecting with community more intentionally. Which one did you write for? 
I wrote for, and I don't have, you know, I gave away all my books. Isn't that <gasps> Did terrible? you? <laughs> yeah. I have one in front of me. I have mine right with me. <laughs> okay. So I'm. Pretty- oh, I found it. The life you've been given. Yes, I'm pretty sure that mine is in is with friends. It is. Mine is too. Okay. That's why we are getting along so well all these years. And mine was about um, um, this exercise class that I was in for a long time. Hey. And um, I was like, I mean, when I when I started this class, um, we were supposed to do things like burpees, and I'm like, a burpee is something that satisfying sound you make after right. a satisfying meal. Right. You know, a power clean is wasn't a weightlifting move; it was this thing that I did to kind of whip up That's my house right. into shape before guests came over. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> and so, you know, I got past the fact that I was always last at everything. I had the worst time, the lowest, the worst push-ups, everything. Yeah. And so, I started to have this sense that. Oh, you know, I mean, that made me feel really good because I am this achiever person. Well, in this story, a new girl comes and I've been in the class for two years and I see her doing the same thing that I did, which is compare. She's oh, like, yeah. you let me. And, you know, I, you know, I prayed this small prayer for her that she could stay focused on her personal best because I was so good at that now. And then I started to do it too, because there were these two women they were doing burpees in like this graceful synchronization, like they could star in some kind of CrossFit sure. promotional video. And it in that moment, I realized it's such a chronic condition for so many women I know. I mean, we're comparing how many burpees we can do and our right. gene sizes, our cleverness, our marriages, our how green our yards are. And right. I mean, it is so damaging to our ability to cultivate healthy and lasting friendships with other women. And so that my whole chapter is on comparison and all of the ways I fail at that and right. how I can take my eyes off at Jesus when I'm doing that. How do you see comparison playing into your real life friendships? Like, have you, has that something you've always seen or is that something that like your eyes open to at this class? I think that I had always seen it. And in that class, it was just another example. Um, and I think, you know, I was just talking about this with a friend um, the other day. She she texted me. She's like, you, you want to go get your nails done? I'm like, sure, what time? She's like, well, I'm at, in my new driveway right now. Oh, I like her. <laughs> she is a total experiencer. Yeah, that's my kind of friend. Let's go right now. <laughs> so we went, we drove up to Sioux Falls. You know, we live out in the country. So this was like a big city outing going to right. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And, but we talked on the way there about um, how, you know, how – if you're on the top of your game and if you're being compared to how hard that is, like when people in your own community cannot be happy for you, how hard that is to creating a healthy relationship with them. I mean, we know it from the other side. We know how damaging it can be if we're comparing ourselves to others that we're not good enough or we don't look as cute as they do when we're going out on a Saturday night, Right. yada, yada. But it is so hard for the person being compared to as well. Like, what if we just would pick up pom-poms for each other? And instead of treating, like Lisa Jo Baker, she always says this, the body of Christ is not a competition. Right. It's a community. It's a it's cooperation. It's a co-op. She talks about all of that so much. And I think that whether you're the comparer or the comparee, it's really bad for relationship, a huge poison. Yeah. I just have never seen it um, work out for my good. Mm -mm. You know, like I've never (laughs) seen 
me really caring what other people think and comparing to the woman next to me or the dude next to me or the girl at BFAB or the other person at the restaurant. I, I've just never seen comparison play out in a way that I was grateful I'd gone down that road <laughs> ever. I mean, I can't think of a single time it's ever worked. So I loved your, yeah, I, I, I wrote about, um, about the verse about there, a city on a hill that cannot yeah. be hidden because I was thinking about how when women get together, like I, when I was in Israel, they took us to this place where they think King David's castle or castle. That's not the right word. What is it? Where, is that the uh, word? like a temple or a no, where he lived. Casa de, <laughs> Casa de <laughs> David, <laughs> David. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right. But they took us to the edge of that and kind of showed us like, the valley where the houses slope down and they slope back up the other side. And I just pictured like when women get together at night, that city on a hill, it, all the houses would have been lit by candles, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just this glow that what makes a city on a hill, what makes you stand out is this glow of relationship that's lit when everything else feels dark. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so I just, I think it's so, I mean, and you know me because we've been friends a while and you know that this is how I am, but I mean, I really love my friends. Like my people really matter to me. I think everybody's friends really matter to them, but, but that's, but one of my like favorite things on the planet is having fun with my people. And so thinking through like, I don't know, I think I was always taught or I always believed that the city on the hill Bible verse was about like sharing your testimony Mm -hmm. and about like living right in front of people. And about kind of like, you know, don't mess up because you're a city on a hill. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if it's more like live your life and that's what makes you a city on a hill. I love you that. Know? That's what lights up in the darkness is you being with your people, finding people, choosing to engage because it is risky. You know, I mean, it is so it feels really risky to me sometimes to step into a relationship with someone that I think, I don't know how this goes. But am I willing to like step into it? What would you say to people who are saying like, I don't have any friends. I don't know how to find friends. I don't know what to do next, but I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that, I think people, this whole idea of city on a hill, I think people underestimate the light that they do have. Right. Yeah. And you know how on Christmas Eve, and I, I'm getting to your question with this. Okay. No, no, I love it. But um, you know how on Christmas Eve, I don't know if you do this at your church, but um, you pass the light around. Yes, it's so dangerous. Oh my gosh, (laughs) Jennifer. Okay, finish your story. And then we are a thousand percent going back to candles during Silent Night on Christmas Eve because it is one of the things that bothers me most about America. So, but finish your story and then we are going back to that. I've got my fingers crossed. no dropping wax or burned hair in this story. Thank you. That is what I'm talking about. So so if we're all a city on a hill, if we're all a light, we have to know that shared light is a double light. When you pass the light to the next candle, it doesn't take away from your light. It only spreads the light around the ring. And so I, you know, take whatever little glimmer of light you have and and trust me, whoever you are on the other side listening to this, trust me that you have light. Share whatever little light you have and pass it 
around the ring. Shared light is a double light and let it, let it spread. And, you know, I feel like there are little things that we can do every day. And I, that's why I like this book so much. These little challenges that you can every day that do every day that take you out of our comfortable little boxes. Like we have to preserve our light. I cannot give this away because if I give this light away, I will not keep any for myself because that's not true. That goes to that myth of scarcity, right? Yes. It's not, you are not risk. You are risking you know, potential hurt or potential rejection, but it will come back in beautiful ways and you will make the world a brighter place. I really believe that, you know, just little things, asking a friend to lunch, asking a friend how you can pray for her, lighting a candle at 7 a.m. on a Tuesday morning and texting a person that picture and says, you know what, I lit this candle for you and I prayed for you today because, you know, when we pray for friends or even acquaintances, they, we have got to know that they're facing battles that we know nothing about. That's right. And so when we do those kinds of things, we're saying to that person, I am a safe person. I care about you. And I want to share a little bit of my light with you. Yeah. I um, <laughs> I had the worst airplane experience last week. This woman was the meanest person I've literally ever experienced on a plane to the flight attendants. And me and our, the passengers around us were all like really angry at how rude she was being. And the thing I kept having to say to myself, because I'm a little bit of a justice freak. Like I want to step in when something's not going right. And maybe the word is control freak, but <laughs> I like, if there's a problem and I can sort it, I want to sort it because we shouldn't have a problem because we're trying to have fun. That's why we're trying to have fun on this plane lady. <laughs> But the thing I kept saying to myself is like, you just never know what people are walking through. Yeah. Like she's going through something that has nothing to do with these flight attendants, has nothing to do with us. She's not a terrible person, maybe. She might be. But she's probably not a terrible person. Probably something is wrong that we don't know. And mm-hmm. so I need to settle down and not get so worked up as I was. I mean, Jennifer, I was real worked up because she was rude to flight attendants. Like, don't do that. They are doing their job. Mm. And they were very kind to her. I, in fact, I tweeted at Delta. I was like, just so you guys know, this woman is going to lodge a complaint and she's wrong. I was there. <laughs> Call me if you need me. <laughs> oh, that's like, sweet. Your flight it. attendants were great. Okay, listen, fire at Christmas, silent <laughs> night. It's just every time it's terrible because someone's going to do this wrong and kids are playing and uh, do you love it? I just don't love it. I, I do love it. Okay, you're I think allowed I just, to. We can still be is, friends. I, I can't handle it when it's the fake candles that you just sort of screw the bottom and then the light comes on. It just isn't the same. I know. I agree. I agree. Do y'all do it during Silent Night as well? Is that the song you do it during? Yes. Yeah, yeah. us too. They have those little holders that will catch the wax. Does that make you feel yeah, better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The holders that catch the wax is actually the most enjoyable part to me. Like I like <laughs> to mess with the melted wax. Clearly I'm very focused during Silent Night on Christmas Eve. <laughs> but uh, I like the wax part. I don't like the close your eyes and pray part mm-hmm. because I think, gosh, my here's the funny thing, Jennifer. The Lord and I are really talking about my control issues right now. I mean, like, it's all he's talking to me about. So as I'm telling you this story, <laughs> I'm realizing what I don't like about it is I don't have control of all the fire. So I'm a treat to be around. <laughs> but that's my problem is that the fire feels out of control. And I feel like if I can't, I'd rather just have the fire off and everyone's under control. It brings a whole new meaning to that song that's coming to mind right now. Set your church on fire. Oh, right, right, right. I'm like, they're trying every Christmas Eve. 
<laughs> they are trying to do it. <laughs> oh, okay. So here's the real question. You've prepped, you've prepared, you've opened your heart. Jennifer, what sounds fun to you today? Oh man. So I, yes, I thought about this and I'm like, how did I not think of this in the very beginning? But picture with me, Minnesota. Okay. Loons, birch, the smell of pine in the air in a crystal clear lake. And I am out on that lake. What's the temperature? It is probably 75. Okay. Okay. It's not real hot. Like when we go out in the morning, I'm probably going to have to put on a jacket but what we have out there is our fishing poles. Okay. And we are going walleye fishing. I have done this since I've been a little girl. And my dad has taken me out on so many, like countless, countless fishing trips. And it's never mattered a whole lot if we caught anything at all. It was always about being together with my dad. Okay. And it is so fun for me. And I remember when I was a little girl, I'm like, Dad, what am I going to do? And I can't go on a boat with you anymore. And so I actually married my boat driver. No way. <laughs> Scott, Scott loves, we ha- we are doers, but we both love fishing so yeah. much. And we love fishing up in Minnesota. And that is just, that is my happy place. And it's just far from shore. I could sit out there for hours and we just talk about everything and we don't even need to keep the fish. I mean, we just throw most of them back. Right. And um, yeah, and then we were down in Florida, Sarasota for a wedding. And Scott and I were down there and we um, went fishing in the Gulf. And it was a blast. It's beautiful, it. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just love being out there. Just, you know, it's almost like I have to, in order to do this mandatory fun thing, I have to literally take myself out of the ring and just go and be, you know, far offshore, I guess. Right, right. So maybe that's why I like it so much. So that's what sounds fun to me. Do you oh, think that's you a great fishing? answer. That's yeah. A, yeah, I grew up fishing as well. So that's, I think that's a super good answer. I love it. I think it is so peaceful. And so, I mean, if you catch a fish, that's great. If you don't, that's great. We used to go fishing, my dad and my sister and I, when we were real little, like when we started to wear a life vest, we have like a tiny pond behind my parents' house. And we used to get out in a little paddle boat and like a little metal nothing boat and we would paddle around and drop our little mickey mouse fishing hooks in the water and we would sing and we would sing all sorts of fun songs and so that is one of my favorite childhood memories is singing songs with my dad when we're fishing that's sweet love it he's awesome my parents are great so he's a great dad we had so much fun doing stuff like that so great answer see you know how to have fun man i knew it I believed in you all along, Jennifer. Um, <laughs> hey, thank you. you for being on the podcast today. That was really sweet of you. I'm grateful to get to talk to you. You too, Annie. It's so fun. Thanks for having us here. I mean, I genuinely think Jennifer Dukesley is very fun. I mean, you could hear it, right? You could hear it in her tone that she is a fun person. If you are out there and you say, Annie would say, I'm no fun. I am no fun. I think you need to redefine fun my friend, because I think she's really fun and I bet you're fun too. So do not worry about that anymore. I'm going to, I have a new goal in my life that in 2017, I'm going to make sure Jennifer thinks she's fun, has fun. And because I think she's fun. So I loved getting to chat with her about Craving Connection, as well as her books, Love Idol and The Happiness Dare. You can grab all those at your favorite local bookstore or Amazon, but check your local bookstore first because we love those places. 
If you enjoyed that interview with an encouraged author, guess what? I have some other ones that have been on my podcast. So you could go listen to Emily P. Freeman, Ann Voskamp, Angie Smith, Jessica Turner. There are a couple of different women that write for Encourage that have also already been on the That Sounds Fun podcast. So check the archives and go back and listen to those. And while you're there, if you want to subscribe so that you know every time a podcast comes out, sometimes it's every Thursday, sometimes it's every other Thursday, sometimes it's every like fourth Thursday. I don't know, y'all. I just do the best I can when my friends are available. And so Thursday, you can be sure of. It's always going to be a Thursday. So if you subscribe, it'll always just pop in there. And if you don't mind, if it's your first time here and you've just started hanging out, if you leave a review, rate the podcast, that really helps other people know that they are welcome here. It's a place they would want to be. I hope you are having a great day. And as always, if you need to find me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. It's Annie F. Downs across everything. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, website, all of it. Annie F. as in fancy Downs. I am so easy to find. It's shameful. So what sounds fun to me today besides hanging out with you is I want to go over to my best friend's house and play with their kids this afternoon after their nap. And I'm looking forward to that because we are in the middle of a very exciting sword battle that started yesterday. So I'm going to go finish that up this afternoon. Wish me luck. I hope you go out and do something that sounds fun to you today as well. And I will see you soon.